0: Thank you for downloading this podcast from the Freedom Centre Church in Preston. Amen. Okay, so a quick recap. Um, And first slide up for me, John. Thank you. Uh, Spiritual Gifts. Okay, so the first thing uh, that is important uh, as a foundation stone for spiritual gifts, as a recap, is that they are from the Spirit, okay? That sounds obvious, but they are from the Holy Spirit. So spiritual gifts are different from the natural kind of giftings um, that we have already. Those are good, and those are God-given, but spiritual gifts are gifts that either when we first become a Christian or we receive the Holy Spirit, or through our Christian walk, we receive supernaturally the Holy Spirit enables us to do. So to give you an example, in the natural you might be a teacher, you might teach at school, or you might be a, uh, a teacher at university, you might be a good teacher. That does not necessarily mean that you have the spiritual gift of teaching. Uh, and to flip it the other way, there was a youth pastor when I was first um, uh, kind of uh, quite a new Christian who I had, and he uh, he was really very poor at communication up front. He wasn't very confident. If he had to get up and do an announcement or do a notice or make a toast or something like that, he'd be petrified. He wouldn't be particularly articulate. It wasn't his thing at all. But he had the spiritual gift of teaching and preaching. And so with a Bible in his hand and a message from God, he just came alive and he could communicate clearly and he was fiery and he was full of the Holy Spirit. And it was the gift of teaching and preaching that enabled him to do that. So gifts of spirit, they're from the spirit. Secondly, we all have at least, uh, sorry, no, we're eagerly to desire, we're, we're to eagerly desire them. Okay. That says in 1 Corinthians 14, to eagerly desire spiritual gifts. As I was praying, God is a good father and he likes to give good gifts to us. And if you're not sure what your spiritual gift is or your spiritual gifts are, then hopefully this series will help you discover that. But we're also to pray and ask for them. As we do this series, there might be particular giftings that you just feel drawn to. Ask for them. Pray and say, God, I'd love to move in that gift. I'd love to receive that gift. The Bible says to eagerly desire them. Next one, we all have at least one gift. Okay? Some of us will have a number. We all have at least one gift that the Holy Spirit has given us. Next, all can and should seek to manifest or move in pretty much all the gifts. Now, Jack touched on this um, last week. What this means is whilst we will all have at least one gift or a couple of gifts that is our spiritual gift that we are given, we can move and manifest in pretty much all all the gifts. So for example, last week we looked at prophecy. and uh, I don't think I have the gift of prophecy. I don't hold the office of the prophet or I don't, I don't see myself as a prophet or holding that gift. But there are times in prayer meetings, um, in when I'm praying for somebody where I will feel God will give me a picture or God will give me a word and I will move in the gift of prophecy even though it isn't one of my giftings, if that makes sense. And actually we're called to seek to move and manifest in, in pretty much all the gifts because um, because a lot of them are biblical principles as well. So things like giving, you can't say, well, I don't have the spiritual gift of giving, so I'm not going to give. Or I don't have the spiritual gift of serving, so I'm not going to serve. No, they're biblical principles. We're called to move in all of them. But for some people, that thing, serving or giving, is something that they really focus on, that they really are passionate about, which really drives them, which is really Holy Spirit-enabled in a really supernatural way. And they're pretty much is in there because there are a few gifts like celibacy. If you're married, it's not advised to try and move in the gift of celibacy. So there are a few exceptions, but generally we can manifest and move um, in all the gifts. Um, Next, Uh, they are not for us or for our benefit. This is really important. The spiritual gifts that we have are not there for our benefit. And massive problems happen in churches when people start to use spiritual gifts for their benefit. Maybe to build up their ego or build a platform for themselves, to maybe push an agenda or to manipulate when it comes about us. And sometimes spiritual gifts have had a bad rap in churches because they have been misused and abused. But they're not for us. Jack gave an illustration last week which I thought was great uh, about the mailman. Um, some of you remember the, the a, a kind of a courier service. Um, and a courier service takes the item, the parcel, the gift um, from one place to the receiver. Um, and, and it's not, they are taking the gift, they have ownership of that gift at that moment, but it's not about them. They are just the deliverer of it. And he was talking about that in context of prophecy, but it kind of works with m- pretty much all the gifts. But actually, it's not about us. They're not our gifts. They're gifts we have been given so that we can give them to somebody else, so that we can use them to serve somebody else. And that brings us on to the next one, is that they're for the benefit of, firstly, of the body. So the Bible teaches that the spiritual gifts are for building up the body. This is the body, the church, both here and in a wider wider context. They're for building up, encouraging each other, serving each other. Wherever, wherever is a church where everyone is using their spiritual gifts and serving with their spiritual gifts, you see a church often growing and thriving and active. And finally, they can be used outside of the church. They can be used in a wider context. So if you have the gift of prophecy, which we looked at last week, it isn't Just to be used in church. If you've got the gift of prophecy, you should be prophesying to your neighbours and prophesying to your work colleagues. And and you may not do it in the same way as you do on a Sunday morning, but you should be using that gift outside of the church context. So that's just a quick recap um, of what we've kind of looked at already and a good kind of foundation spiritual gifts gifts even today, we are looking at three spiritual gifts. And the reason we're looking at three today and not one um, isn't because the three we're looking at today are less important than the ones we've looked at the last few weeks. That's really key to say, all right? The reason we're looking at three and not one today is because if we looked at one per week, we'd be here a long time uh, and probably still going at Christmas. Um, But The other reason is that we're looking at these three is that they maybe need slightly less unpacking and explaining than some of the other gifts. Like last week, we just looked at prophecy. As I said, it's not because prophecy is more important that we spent a whole week on it. It's because there was more explaining. Maybe there's more controversy around it. So over this series, some weeks we'll look at one gift, some weeks we'll look at two, some weeks we'll look at three or four. Uh, It isn't in relation to the importance of the gifting. But today we're looking at hospitality, mercy, and voluntary poverty. And what I want to do is look each one of these gifts, look at what they are, um, look at the characteristics of them as a gift and their application um, in the church and in the world. So we've already jumped into the first one, so hospitality. Um, The first passage is kind of where hospitality is placed, um, as it's mentioned a number of times in the Bible, but this is where it's placed in the context of being a spiritual gift. 1 Peter 4, verse 8. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So that talks about hospitality, offering hospitality. And then in Hebrews 13 verse 1, keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. By doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it so what is hospitality what is hospitality well first of all um what it's not um what it's not hospitality is not being a really good cook all right it's not being great at cooking it helps if you've got the gift of hospitality to be able to cook a bit but there can, there's people who have got who are fantastic cooks but are awful at hospitality. And there are people who aren't particularly good cooks but are great at hospitality. So it's not about your cooking skills. It's not about having uh, a big house that you can entertain in, okay? Again, that's a really helpful thing. And if you're blessed in that way, then you can use that uh, in the gift of hospitality. But it's not about having a big house. And, and hospitality is quite a cultural thing. And, and, and in our culture, we think of hospitality as bringing somebody into our house. But if you're a student uh, or you don't have a house which is suitable for entertaining because you're your halls of residence, or whatever there are other places other ways that you can show hospitality here at church maybe in somebody else's house maybe even down at the pub okay so it's not about having a big house it's not about being a social animal all right it's not just about socializing and we'll look at more of that in a second so what is it about it's about first of all it's about loving people Both the verses we looked at, it started off by saying, above all, love each other deeply, it says in 1 Peter 4 verse 8. Hebrews 13 verse 1, it says, keep on loving one another. Love is the foundation of the gift of hospitality. In fact, it should be the foundation of all the spiritual gifts. But particularly with hospitality, it's about showing love in a really practical way. Serving people, welcoming people, feeding people, entertaining people, listening to people. And the motivation for somebody with the gift of hospitality is not that they want to throw a great party. It's not that they want to have a really active social life or create a great social environment. It's not that they want to cook great meals for people. The motivation, the number one motivation for people with the gift of hospitality is that they want to love people. They just want to love people. When you go into their home, they just want to love you. They want to serve you. They want you to go away just feeling so blessed and so loved. So hospitality is about loving people. Next, it's about strangers. Hebrews 13, it says, um, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. And the Greek word, we got some Greek last week, we're getting some more this week. The Greek word for strangers, I've put up there. Um, I've broken it into two and I'll explain why. But the Greek word is Okay, And the phila part of it means love and the xenos part means Strangers. So the actual word for hospitality in the Bible translates as love of strangers. Okay, so hospitality is about loving people who we don't know, and I think this is an area that hospitality often gets misunderstood. Maybe because in in a kind of outside of the church's context, we talk about hospitality, people do courses in it, and and it kind of means something different. But biblical hospitality, hospitality as a spiritual gift, um, is about loving people who we don't know, and I've I've heard people before in churches say, you know, I think I've got the gift of hospitality when what they've meant is I really like having my friends over. I really like having my friends over, having some food, having a nice time, playing games, watching a film, hanging out or whatever. That is brilliant. That is great. That is a really good thing to do. We should be doing that. We should be having our friends over. We should be encouraging each other, building each other up, enjoying spending time together. That's brilliant. That's called fellowship. It's different from hospitality. Hospitality is stepping outside of what is our natural, maybe social sphere, outside of the kind of group of people who we're n- used to spending time with and inviting somebody over or spending time with somebody who we don't know as well. It might be people on Sunday morning who you've not spoken to in our, in our church. It might be the person who's just joined your team at work. It might be somebody um, in the flat next to you at uni. It might be a next-door neighbor down, or person who lives down the road. And the next thing about this is it's not an easy thing. Hospitality is not always an easy thing because for a lot of us, we have a limited amount of Time, don't we? In the evenings and at weekends, we have a limited amount of social time, free time, if you like. So, when we socialize, when we hang out, when we go out with people, when we have people over for for meals, we kind of want to spend time with people who we know, who we like, who we feel comfortable with, who it's relaxing to spend time with. And to have somebody new over, to have a stranger over, takes more effort, doesn't it? It can be a little bit socially awkward. They might be a bit unusual, they might be a bit eccentric. They might be of a different background to us, maybe a different age to us. They might have a different belief system. They may not be a Christian. They may see things differently. But when we show hospitality, we're showing God's love to that person. We are serving them and we are blessing them. So that's a little bit about what hospitality is. I want to move on and look at some characteristics of someone with the gift of hospitality. So they all pop up there. I'll give you 10 seconds just read them through because... I know, when lots pulls up, comes up on the screen, you want to read ahead. So I'll take ten seconds, just read ahead, and then we'll go through them. Okay. So characteristics of somebody with the gift. Now this isn't a, like a conclusive list, all right? If you feel you've got the gift of hospitality, you don't need to go through and be able to tick every single one of these off, right? This is just just a guide as to some of the things that people with the gift of hospitality uh, might have as characteristics. So generally, people with this gift are friendly and able to interact with different people uh, comfortably. Uh, Secondly, they enjoy being hospitable. Now, I've underlined enjoy there because a good kind of clue as to when something is our spiritual gift is that we enjoy it so during this series when we're looking at spiritual gifts if you're thinking I'm not sure what my spiritual gift is there's lots of ways you can figure that out you can pray and ask God to show you we're going to at the weekend away do a spiritual gifts test which isn't a conclusive thing but it will again help guide you towards what might be your spiritual gift but one of the a great way to figure out is what is it that makes you feel alive when you when you do that does it, does it make you come alive if you've got the gift of hospitality you'll really enjoy spending time with people you don't know, it will really—it'll be the thing that drives you. It'll be a thing that excites you. It'll be a thing that you are passionate about. Uh, next, you are willing to—they o- are willing to open up their home. Uh, a person who are, um, who has the gift of hospita- hospitality, who I know is my mum. Uh, my mum um, is militantly good at hospitality, uh, and she will have people over to their house. My parents will have people over to their house at least once a week who they maybe don't know that well over for a meal Uh, and she loves just spending time with people. She loves, um, she's interested in people. She is always willing to open up um, her home Uh, and she's fantastic and very exhausting in the area of hospitality because it is her gifting and that links us to the next one, interested in people. My mum is really interested in people. If you've met her, um, you'll know, but she often knows scary amounts of detail about you, even if she's never met you, because she's interested in people. She likes to hear about people. She likes to meet new people. So people who've got the gift of hospitality are often like that. They're often good listeners, and they love to serve people. There's a story in the Bible, uh, which we haven't got time to look at, but many of you will be familiar with, about Mary and Martha. And Jesus came over uh, for dinner at Mary and Martha's house. And um, I was getting the wrong way around. Martha, yeah, it was Martha, was in the kitchen. And she was doing all the cooking. And she was probably, in her mind, being the hospitable one. She was playing the perfect host. And she was cooking away. And Mary was just sat at the feet of Jesus, just listening and just talking. And and Martha comes in and kind of rebukes her sister Mary and says, you know, why, why aren't you helping? And Jesus says, no, 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 she's got it right. Because actually hospitality isn't about being a, a great host or again, that's good. It's about being interested in the person and loving and serving the person. And then have a strong desire and ability to make strangers and visitors feel welcome. Have you ever heard the phrase, um, a stranger is a friend I haven't met yet? Right, if you've got the gift of hospitality, that's like your mantra, <laughs> So, is it your gift? As we go through this, I wonder if for some of us, are thinking, "Oh, it might be." I think that might be me. Sorry, sorry. We can go back. John, we're not there yet. Um, is it your gift? For some of us, many of us, it won't be. But let me encourage you. Um, even let me encourage you. Even if it isn't, it is still something we should be doing. We should be seeking to offer hospitality. I've got some uh, backing music. There we go. Um, we should be seeking to offer um, hospitality, and because it's a biblical principle, it's not. As I said at the beginning, it's not about whether it's your gifting or not. It's we should all be seeking to exercise hospitality. Why? Because when hospitality isn't practiced, particularly in a church, cliques emerge. People, when people don't have strangers or people they don't know. Into their homes or don't do social things with people they don't know, little groups start to emerge and people feel sidelined, people feel left out. And with that, community can become stagnant. Stagnant means there's nothing fresh flowing into it. And if you're always just spending time with the same group of friends and people, Christian or, or not Christian, then that can easily become stagnant. There's no fresh opinion. There's no fresh kind of uh, yeah, personality, people coming into that friendship group. And when hospitality isn't practiced, the biggest thing is that people don't meet Jesus. How can we expect to fulfill the Great Commission? How can we expect to reach our neighbors and our work colleagues and the people around us who we know who aren't Christians if we're not willing to have them over, we're not willing to spend time with them? And for some of us, maybe we've been praying, God, I really want to reach people in my class. I really want to reach people in my office. I really want to reach my neighbors for you. And we're waiting for like, this kind of golden divine opportunity where we can share the gospel with them. But have we had them over for dinner? Have we spent time with them? Have we met them down at the pub? Have we gone out of our way to show hospitality? Because that is just stage one, often, of introducing them to Jesus and talking about faith with them. So let me ask you a challenging question. This is for everyone, whether it's your gift or not. When was the last time you had over to your house or you initiated a social activity with someone who you didn't really know? A stranger. It might have been somebody from church, somebody from outside of church. When was the last time? Just think for a second. When was the last time? And I don't ask this to make us feel guilty but we're, sp- only sp- but we're spending time with friends and because and, that's good. As I said, that is important. That should be a priority, hanging out with your Christian friends and resting and s- encouraging and all that kind of thing. But it's also good. It's also biblical to open up your house, to open up your life to a stranger. So I want to finish with application of this gift. Um, next slide, please, John. And this can be whether it's your gifting or whether it's just something you're thinking, okay, this isn't my gifting, but it is something maybe I should make more of an effort in. This is a principle in my life that I should be investing in a little bit more. So how can we apply hospitality? First of all, uh, we can look out for new people, whether that be at church on a Sunday morning, whether that be in our workplace, in our social group, in our class. If you see somebody you don't know, make a beeline for them. Get over there, talk to them. Speak to them, introduce yourself. Maybe invite them to go for lunch after church or after work or or whenever it is. Take them out, spend time with them. Secondly, create an environment for your gift. What do I mean by that? So maybe that environment could be your home. Maybe invest in a spare room or, or making your home comfortable so that when you have people over, it's a nice place to hang out. Maybe it's learning to cook. Maybe that's a way you could invest in the gift of hospitality. Have a party. Next one. <laughs> That's that one. Have a party. Be creative. Invite people over. Spend time. All right. If you're a, if you're a mum, then get to know the other mums outside the school gates and, and see if you can arrange you know, play dates and stuff between, between your kids so that you can hang out and get to know them. Activity groups. It's a big board out there. That's a great way to spend time with people, but also a great way, as we've talked about, to invite strangers, people along to groups like that. Have a party. Do social things. Introduce people. So often what can happen is when, when we're kind of spending time with friends, we'll, we'll kind of have our church friends over on one night and then we'll have our work friends over on another night or we'll have our uni friends over on another night. Why? Let's mix it up. There's such a great opportunity to introduce your church friends to your work friends, to your uni friends and actually Build other friendships and other connections if you 're doing the gift of hospitality, invite different people over and introduce different people to other people. Serve people join the welcome team that 's a great way you can show hospitality at church on a Sunday morning and welcome team is for those who are on welcome team um, thank you that 's brilliant, but welcome team is it's more than just an opening the door, isn't it? A welcome team is actually when new people come in, showing them where they, the toilets are, showing them where the tea and coffee are, introducing them to somebody. So make, make sure they're not sitting on their own. Make sure at the end of the service uh, that you're introducing them to somebody else. Tea and coffee, that's another great way that you can show hospitality. Speak to Rachel or, or Heather or Esther or somebody like that and say, how can I get involved in the tea and coffee? Like A great way just to serve people. Maybe in workplace there can be ways that you can serve. You can take cakes in maybe to work, or um, make people cups of tea, stuff like that. Homeless drop-in. We run a homeless drop-in, and that, in in, amongst many other things, is hospitality. It's having people over if you like to a room, and we serve them, and we give them food, and we spend time, and we chat to them, and we get to know them. A great way to show hospitality. Finally, set yourself a target. Particularly if it's not your gifting, or even if it is your gifting, set yourself a target, because it doesn't always come naturally, does it? You know, it's not natural to initiate social things or friendships with people we don't know. So set yourself a target. Maybe that target could be once every two months, we will have somebody over for dinner who we've never had over for dinner before, or the target could be, I'm going to join a a kind of a a club, tennis club, sports club, um, whatever kind of activity club where I'm actually going to meet new people and get to know people who are outside my current kind of sphere of friendships. So that is hospitality. Okay, we're going to move on to the second gift we're looking at this morning. And the second gift is mercy. And the verses for mercy, which kind of pin this down as a a gift, uh, is Romans 12, verse 6 to 8. I think we read this last week as well. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is to prophesy, is prophecy, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it is encouraged to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it dirig- diligently, even. And if it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And there's loads of places in the Bible. I was going to try and give you some more Bible verses, but there's just stacks of them about mercy, about showing mercy. And So instead, I'll give you a bit of a definition. Okay, the special ability that God gives to certain members of the body of Christ to feel genuine empathy, compassion for individuals, both Christian and non-Christian, who suffer from distressing physical, mental, or emotional problems, and to translate that compassion into cheerfully done deeds, which reflects Christ's love and alleviate the suffering. Bit of a mouthful, so I've summarised it. Next slide for me. to someone who in their attitude and their actions particularly reflect the compassionate heart of God towards suffering. Now, once again, mercy is it's a biblical principle, isn't it? It's, it's not just something that some of us do. It's something we should all do. We should all have that compassion when we see suffering. We should all want to serve and help uh, and, and, and help practically those who are hurt, hurting and vulnerable and downtrodden. But for some of us, it's more than that. For some of us, it's the thing that drives us. For some of us, it's the thing that gets us out of bed in the morning. For some of us, it's the thing that we're passionate about. For some of us, we get really angry when we see suffering and when we see injustice and it affects us deeply and we have to, we have to do something about it. That is the gift of mercy. And I can speak about the gift of mercy with a little bit more, probably clarity, than some of the gifts, because I feel this is one of my gifts, and I know through working with Love Preston that there's others in our church who have this gift as well. So let's have a look at some specific characteristics around the gift of mercy, if we have the next. So what have we got? We have, number one, sensitive, caring, and compassionate. If you have the gift of mercy, you're often sensitive, caring, and compassionate. It talks about in the Bible that Jesus was deeply moved, that phrase, deeply moved, or he had pity on them. And if you've got the gift of mercy, you get that. You'll see need, and you will be deeply moved by it. Secondly, you notice and are attracted to people in distress or need. So if you have the gift of mercy, you will spot somebody who is in pain, who is in need, a mile off. You have almost like a pain radar, all right? And you can just pick people out and you can see the pain and the suffering and the hurt maybe in their eyes, in their lives. You put somebody with a gift of mercy in a room full of people and within 10, 15 minutes, they will be talking to the person in that room who is really struggling, who is really suffering, who is really hurting. They have a pain radar. Feeling compelled to help people, to go out of your way to help people. It was really interesting when I was preparing... um, Preparing this morning, God reminded me of something I hadn't thought about for years. And he, he, he kind of showed me really the time that mercy, the gift of mercy, I guess, kind of was, um, I don't know what the right phrase is, but awoken, if you like, in my life when it was released uh, in my life. And it was very soon after I'd become a Christian, probably a number of months. And I remember I was walking to college and I used to walk through the town centre and I walked past a young homeless guy. And, and I would have walked past homeless people many times before in my town centre and, and probably would have, I would have cared, it would have bothered me, but this mor- that morning something was different. I felt compelled to talk to him. I had to go and talk to him. I had to help him. And I was a new Christian. I wasn't very wise about these things, so I didn't necessarily go about it the right way. But but I went and I started to spend time with him and I talked to him. And over a period of weeks, I remember his name was Darren, and I remember over a period of weeks, I would see him pretty much every morning and I would often buy him breakfast and we'd chat. And and I was just desperately looking for ways that I could help this guy with the issues and with the stuff um, that he was going through. And I remember um, after two or three weeks, one morning, uh, he wasn't there. And I was concerned, and I was worried about him. The next day, he wasn't there. And then the third day, he wasn't there. And I was getting really worried about him. I was praying for him and thinking, what's going on? And I remember I spent a whole morning like walking around my town, the town center where I grew up, looking for this lad, because I knew there was some stuff going on in his life. And I eventually found him and was able to pray and with him and help him a bit and stuff like that. But I'd forgotten all about that, but that's just... Such an example of, of when you have that gift, you feel compelled. Like, I miss lectures, I like, did all kinds of... Because I felt compelled, I had to help this lad. And that is an example of the gift of mercy. Um, next, lots of grace for people, or lots of grace for people in need. So if you have the gift of mercy, you'll have a lot of grace for people. You'll never hear somebody with the gift of mercy saying, well, <laughs> they got themselves there. Or, well, you know, it's their own fault. No, if you have the gift of mercy, when somebody's suffering, it doesn't matter how self-inflicted that suffering is, they will have incredible grace for people in pain and suffering. And often in contrast, will have a lack of grace for people they see um, as not having that compassion, not having that mercy. Next, able to cheerfully minister to those in need. This is similar to the last point we made on hospitality. You enjoy doing it. If it's your gifting, you enjoy it. You enjoy serving and helping at the homeless drop-in or helping at the food bank or helping people. Next, care, careful not to be judgmental. The worst thing that you can accuse somebody with the gift of mercy of is of being judgmental. <laughs> okay? It's, they are very careful not to be seen as judgmental in any way. Uh, and next, regularly enjoy doing small acts of kindness. So that's some characteristics of someone with the gift. Again, I said it's not a conclusive list, but again, it's a guide as to, to somebody with that gift, what that looks like. So, application of this gift. So, first of all, if you feel you have this gift or you want to move in this gift more, and if you're not sure it is your gift but you want to do it more, get involved in a project. Get involved in a mercy ministry or project. It's a great way to use your gift, it's a great, great way to kind of focus your energies. It's a great structure. Um, if you've got the gift of mercy, you've got a desire. I so said you feel compelled to help as many people as possible. So, being involved in the project, like the food bank or the homeless drop in, gives you a focus. And it gives you a structure and accountability to work within. Uh, next, pray. Pray. Now, there's a strong practical element to the gift of mercy, but mercy should also always involve prayer. We should be praying for the people who we're seeking to help and to reach. There's a great quote which says, "You can do." I say it slowly because it's, "You can do. You can do more than pray after you've prayed, but you cannot do more than pray until you have prayed." i say that again. You can do more than pray after you've prayed, but you cannot do more than pray until you've prayed. In other words, prayer should be our starting point. When we're looking to help somebody, when we see somebody in suffering, sometimes prayer can just feel like a bit of, oh, I'll pray for you, you know. But actually, no, it's such power. In prayer, yes, there's such help, power in practically helping people, and we should be doing that as well. But there's such power in prayer, and prayer is great because I find, for me, prayer is great because it helps me remember that it's not my responsibility, um, or it's not my sole responsibility, to to rescue that person. And it's very easy um, when you see need and when you see suffering to want to to rescue that person, to start putting your pants on on the outside of your trousers in superhero style and feel like, I am responsible for getting this person out of the situation. And yes, we can play a great key role, but actually it's God who saves. It's God who rescues. It's God who brings freedom. And we get to play a role, which is amazing. But prayer helps us remember that it's ultimately God who solves things. Next, give financially. A great practical way to outwork your gift is to give. And particularly if you've got the gift of mercy, you've got a real heart for people, but you don't know how, you don't got the time to maybe get involved in a homeless drop-in or you, you're limited with family or other work commitments, you can give. Give into the church, give into Love Preston. Maybe it's a particular group of people or a particular nation that you have uh, compassion for then research a charity which works with people like that and give to them prayer again is previous point is a great way if you're struggling in time to actually exercise the gift of m- mercy next read up and be wise if you have compassion for a particular need or a particular group of people then read up on it know how you can best help those people how you can direct your energies how you can avoid the pitfalls something i always see in town center when you're walking through you see a number of guys out on the streets kind of begging i'm sure if you walk through town you'd have seen that and the number of times i'll see really well-meaning people giving money often i've seen paper kind of notes being passed to these guys and in one sense that's great because these guys feel loved they feel like somebody cares You know, there's some good stuff about that. But it's not always particularly wise because nine times out of ten, the guys who are there, that money won't be used for food. It will be used for drug or alcohol because that is the issue they've got in their lives. So actually putting money directly into their hands isn't the best way to actually help and support them. So read up, be wise, work out how to best, you can best help people. Prayerfully, look out for people who are hurting. So use that pain radar whether it be at work, whether it be in your social group, whether it be at university, whether it be here on a Sunday morning, get that pain radar going, spot that person, get over there, get talking to them, spend time with them, sit with them, cry with them, visit them in hospital, listen to them. And finally, budget time for your gift. Again, somebody with this gift, I know, because you feel compelled to help sometimes you can be dragged out in so many different directions it's very easy to get burnt out and spent out and that's a danger and i think sometimes we can like being kind of needed and, and we want to do things and actually sometimes we need to stop and we just need to be and that's a lesson i constantly have to relearn in my life but i always want to do and god says no just sometimes it's good to just be to just be with god to just sometimes rest and be with our family, to prioritise um, rest and family time and God time, because we need to be a good steward. And that's what I mean by budget. Yeah, we need to be generous with the time that we give, and we will be, but sometimes we need to have a day off. Sometimes it's okay to switch uh, the phone off and put other things um, first. So that's application of the gift. And um, even if it isn't your gifting, let me encourage you to exercise the gift of mercy, to find ways to do it. As I said, it's a biblical principle. It's not just for those of us who have that gift. Right, final one. Almost out of time, and I'm going to spend less time on this because it's a very similar, uh, or it links, I should say, intertwines into the gift of mercy in some ways. It also intertwines into the gift of giving, which we'll look at another week. But the reference for voluntary poverty, it's a bit of a strange one, isn't it? But the reference for it, and I'll explain Verse 1 to 3, and it says this, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I am a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and have faith that can move mountains, but do not love, I am nothing. If I give all my possessors to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. And then elsewhere in the Bible, again, it talks about the believers selling all their possessions uh, and, and giving Giving away. So what is voluntary poverty? Potentially is a little bit of a controversial one. Um, I found this definition. Uh, the special ability, I think it comes up on the screen. next slide see. Yes, it does. Brilliant. The special ability uh, that God gives certain members of the body to renounce material comfort and luxury and adopt a personal lifestyle equivalent to those living at the poverty level uh, in a given society in order to serve God more effectively. So the key to voluntary poverty is it's voluntary. Right? So if you are struggling and you're in poverty, that is a horrible, horrible thing to be in. Uh, that is not a spiritual gift. Voluntary poverty is choosing for a period of time or even for a lifetime to live at a level of poverty or a level of less than what you currently could financially live at. So to the God's calling your life. And that's a gift, an ability that God gives somebody to have the grace and the calling to do that. So to understand a bit more, let's look at characteristics. So, characteristics of somebody with the gift, uh, with the gift, is a strong desire to live simply without the clutter of wealth and materialism. Okay. Uh, next, feeling called to a setting, nation, or people group where wealth could be a barrier. So, if you felt the missional call to go to somewhere kind of in, in maybe in the third world um, or somewhere which needs, um, it's, kind of, it's it's very poor and a lot of poverty. If you went in in all your kind of wealth and set up camp there, that might be a barrier to you being able to effectively reach and help and get alongside those people. So you might feel that God has given you the gift of voluntary poverty for that time so that you can live alongside uh, people and better serve them. Uh, Feeling compelled and called to give radically and without restriction. So this links into giving, which we'll look at another week. But for some people, they feel so strongly called in giving that actually they feel that God's calling them to give a huge proportion of what they earn so that they can just live off a small amounts. And that can be a choice or a gift of voluntary poverty in action. And I put to see mercy because a lot of the same characteristics around compassion and stuff link into voluntary poverty. doesn't mean that if you've got the gift of mercy, you should also have the gift of voluntary poverty. I don't feel I have like the gift of voluntary poverty. Um, my wife will please know, and her mum, <laughs> it is a gift. Often it is an extension um, of that. Of, uh, um, uh, next slide. Yeah, this guy. This guy's called Shane Claiborne. Uh, I don't know if some of you might have heard, it, heard of him. He wrote a fantastic and terrifying book called The Irresistible Revolution, which is brilliant, but don't read it um, unless you want to be really, really challenged and kind of messed up a little bit. Um, but he, he lives in a community in Philadelphia, which is one of the roughest and poorest parts of the USA. And it has huge poverty issues, huge crime issues, huge social issues. And he's made a decision to live in a small community of Christians. And they live very basically, they live very simply. In fact, it's called the Simple Way, their community. And they live in the middle of the roughest, most poverty-stricken part of, of, this, of this kind of area um, of Philadelphia, so that they can reach out and serve the people in that area, so they can do practical things spiritually, um, pray, serve, and be there. So that's an example of somebody who has the gift of um, voluntary, voluntary poverty. It is, I think, in my, my experience, I, I may be wrong, in my experience, it's, it's more of an unusual gifting um, But uh, you'll meet less people who ne- ne- maybe feel called cool to that. I might be wrong on that, but that's that's my maybe my experience. Okay, finally, application of the gift. Okay, so if you felt you had the gift of voluntary poverty, um, how can you apply it? First of all, pray and check out the call. All right, it is a big step. Before you go and move, sell all your belongings and go and live in a cave somewhere, check it, it is definitely what God's calling you to. Because we all have days there where we just think, oh, sorry, but so fed up with all these bills and all this money and our oh, life's so complicated, I just want to go and live in a forest somewhere and that would be amazing, at least I do. But that is the core to voluntary poverty, right? That's just having a bit of a crisis. So make sure it's definitely something God's saying. Maybe come and talk, go and talk to somebody who is... Um, Kind of, who's who's wiser? Who you can kind of bounce off and pray about. Come talk to a leader or whatever. Um, I hate to come next week and find uh, somebody sleeping outside the church in a cardboard box because they felt that this is their calling. All right, so just check it out um, before you go for it. Uh, secondly, consider the strategy and reason. Why is it that you feel that this is your gifting? What is it going to enable you to do? It's normally an enabling gift in the sense that it enables you to reach people or do something. Um, having this gift. Uh, and then start, if you feel maybe this might be a way God's calling you or gifting God's put in your life, start to give radically. Start to be a ridiculous and radical giver. Start to try and live off a, a much smaller amount than is maybe normal. And live in the way you feel is the right level of poverty until God says otherwise. I think the, the gift of voluntary poverty can for some people be a lifetime, for some people it can be a season. Uh, and I think like a lot of the gifts, there may be times that we are called to exercise it, even if it isn't our actual gifting, um, and uh, for example I, I, when I first came to Preston um, I was working part time a few days a week and, I, and the church kind of supported me a bit but, but to do what I felt God was calling me to do I had to live at a level poverty is probably a stronger word but I had to live at a level which was below what I could have done if I'd gone for other jobs elsewhere and I had other job opportunities elsewhere but at that time I lived in a house didn't have central heating and I lived a bit simpler and I had to really watch my finances and, and for that season of time it, I felt it was right for me to live at a level, if you like, of voluntary poverty in inverted commas because it released me to do something God was calling me to do in that season. So that might be the case for some of us. There might be seasons. There might be time that God's calling us to step back from the clutter, to have a clear out, or to give radically. And that might, again, be us exercising that gift of voluntary poverty. Okay, cool. I, I'm going to kind of wrap up there because we've kind of covered those three gifts. I know we've kind of whistled through them a little bit. If you have any questions about them, do come and speak to me. At the end, but let me encourage you: pray about these giftings. If any of them have a kind of appeal to you, have attra- you've been kind of attracted to you, then Say, God, is this a gifting that you're kind of wanting to unwrap in my life, but you're wanting to release um, in my life? And even if none of these three that we've looked at today, you think no, none of those are really me. Think about how can you exercise are the little ways that you can exercise that gift, particularly in hospitality and mercy, are the ways that we can actually. Be looking out more for the stranger, looking out more for the people we don 't normally know, having them over other ways that we can be serving and giving it for some of us have we lost that compassion um, that we should have for people have we got cynical? And actually we need God to restore something that compassion and that love um, that we should have for people and let me also just finish by saying take an active part in this series during the week uh, be praying and saying God, what is the giftings that you give me, how can I better exercise them? God, what new giftings do you maybe want me um, to desire to eagerly desire? As it talks about uh, in 1 Corinthians, what is it that you're calling me to? Uh, and if you're coming the weekend away, that would be a great opportunity. We're going to practice uh, some, of the, some of these gifts, we're going to do the spiritual gifts test, uh, and, uh, and that would be a great way as well to explore that. Let me just pray to finish and then we'll, we'll have some uh, final song to finish. Heavenly Father we thank you for your word, we thank you that your word brings truth, your word brings life we thank you Father that God you kind of you could have done all this on your own Lord Jesus but you choose to use us you choose to use us as your hands and your feet and your mouthpiece in this world you created us to live in community you created us to serve and to love and to help and to build each other up and to do that you've given us these gifts these spiritual gifts you've also called us to build your kingdom To see your gospel preached in this world, Lord, and once again you've given us gifts, you've given us these supernatural abilities to do that. And I thank you so much for that. We thank you, but you are a loving heavenly Father who gives good gifts to us. And Lord, I pray, God, as we look at the series, even what the back of what we've looked at today, Lord, you would just put your finger on little areas in our lives, God, that we can better exercise, we can better practice the giftings that you have given us, the principles that you have put in your Word, Lord God thank you for your love, we thank you for your grace. We thank you that you are with us, that you are for us, that you never leave us. We thank you, Lord, that you have a plan and a purpose for each one of us. And I thank you that plan and purpose isn't some kind of, long, kind of long-term, distant, pipe dream type plan and purpose, but it's an immediate plan and purpose. Today, you have a plan and purpose for us. This week, you have a plan and purpose for us to bless us, to prosper us, not to harm us, to give us a hope and a future to use us for your kingdom. So we just thank you so much for your mighty name. Amen. For more information about our church or to access more of our resources, please visit thefreedomcentre.com.